I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the third chapter of the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to this little church, new young church in this town in the backside of nowhere in the center of Asia Minor, Colossae, and we'll read this chapter, not the whole chapter, but we'll pick up in verses 18. Well, let's, let's go back to verse 17 and read down to verse 21, just a short section of the letter. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for that is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, that they may not lose heart. Well, let's come to God in prayer and ask that he would direct us as we have sung each in our various tasks to do them as unto the Lord, to obey this more detailed and more specific, more delineated direction to each category of a member of the family, that we would do our part as unto the Lord. Let's pray to that end. Our Father in heaven, now as we come to these detailed instructions to the various members of the family, we ask that you would guide us, help us, grant us each submission to you as we take up our task, our role in the family, and that we would do all of these things as we read in verse 17, in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to you, our God and Father. And so may you be praised as we seek to obey your word, as we hear it. May we have submissive hearts. We ask through Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Now, in the previous whole section of the letter, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, down to verse 17, there are general directions which would apply to every category of Christian, every Christian living there in the church in Colossae, indeed, every Christian living up till today. And those directions applied equally, whether a child, whether parent, whether a husband, whether wife, whether slave, whether master, whether employee or boss, these verses, these directions apply to everyone. But now in this next congregation, the Apostle Paul comes to give more specific directions recognizing that not everyone in the congregation is in the same situation, in the same category, having the same role and the same duty. And so he gives specific direction here for the domestic economy. He speaks to wives, to husbands, to children, to fathers, and as would have been the case in many households of the day, to slaves and masters. And these all apply to everyone because everybody that's hearing my voice will fit into one or the other of these categories. You are either a husband or a wife. Well, children, maybe not young children, but you do. You, you are the son or daughter of somebody. Uh, maybe not as of now under their authority. Maybe you're adult children. But uh, then there are parents. But everyone is either a, an employee or an employer, 
And uh, so if you're self-employed, well, you fit both of those categories. But uh, we, we all fit here. And these specific directions apply to us in one way or another. Now, I think that all of this is especially relevant to us now. Maybe some of you ask the question, well, you know, with the given the situation with this COVID-19 and, and all, why is Pastor Hoffmeyer going on as if nothing were happened, blithely just continuing, plowing ahead in Colossians? Well, you know, the Word of God is incredibly applicable and relevant. And it struck me as I was preparing this message that now more than ever, we need these family directions because now more than ever, families are bumping into each other in the same uh, home and uh, with the stay-at-home orders, this, the quarantine, the uh, lockdown, social isolation. We're not isolated in our families. We're all the more uh, bumping into each other. We're all the more uh, perhaps having friction, perhaps conflicting uh, children are at home doing their schooling. Fathers are perhaps at home doing their work on the internet, working from home, competing for bandwidth on the home internet connection, close quarters all day. That can create friction. We need Paul's, God's directions, how should we conduct ourselves in the family? And all the more, it struck me, is this the case if there are unusual additional stresses, such as sickness in the home? What if one of the members of the family comes down with COVID? All the more there's stress in the family. What if the family income is reduced? All the more there is stress. What if instead of working at home, the father is jobless at home? Tensions can rise, tempers can flare, and so it is vital that we pay attention to the Word of God in this time. It puts demands on all of us, this situation. And so God's Word gives us directions for how to conduct ourselves in this or in any situation. These uh, instructions are particularly relevant today. And so I trust you see that it is right and proper and wise that we plow ahead in Colossians chapter 3 and see what the Word of God has to say to us in our situation. We're going to consider these verses that I've read, verse 18 through 21. You notice there are four categories addressed here in the family. Uh, there's a direction for wives. There's a direction for husbands. There's a direction for children. There's a direction for fathers, and by extension to mothers un as under the fathers, second in command in terms of raising the children. Uh, but before we get to each of these four categories, and I'll spend at least a week on each of them, uh, my goal is a week, but, you know, that may extend. But I want to take up, first of all, this evening, a subject with, which underlies all of them, and including the next section as well, and that is the general pattern of authority in the family, the general pattern of familial Authority, And for that, we need to go back to the sister passage, the uh, parallel passage to this section of Colossians 3, and that is found in Ephesians chapter 5. So just turn a few pages back in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. 
And I want to read this section there because Paul gives more detail uh, when he comes to uh, husbands and wives and parents and children, especially husbands and wives, than he does there in Colossians. In Colossians, there are just two verses, one for wives, one for husbands. But here, there's a much longer section, and I want to read that beginning in verse 21 down through the end of Ephesians 5. Paul writes here, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself." For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect or fear her husband. Well, as we look at this, the pattern of family authority, we see that that pattern is Christ's relationship to his church. And so when we come back even to Colossians, where he just says, wives, be subject to your husbands, here in Ephesians, Paul lays a foundation for that statement because the authority structure in the home is paralleled here in Ephesians to the authority structure in the church. So as we're going to open this up, especially in Ephesians 5, paralleled with Colossians 3, I want to do it under three headings. First of all, an introduction, because we need to understand the, uh, the authorship, the context of these statements in Ephesians 5. And then we're going to exegete especially that uh, headship role as we see it in Ephesians 5. And then we're going to look at the application. What does this say to us today in our situation. So Ephesians 5, we want to begin with some words of introduction. And usually you think of an introduction as somewhat brief, but what I'm saying is we need to give some time to this because there are some aspects of the passage that we need to understand so we get it. And first thing by way of introduction is the authorship of this section, the authorship of this letter. And it is, of course, written by the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians to the churches in Ephesus, or the church in Ephesus. And this needs to be underscored today because in our day, 
people have this tendency to say, well, that was the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, he had these uh, little quirks. He was something of a chauvinist. And so if they read something that they like in Paul, they say, well, that was good. Yeah, that, God, that comes from God. Uh, especially when he's talking about justification by faith alone, grace alone, in Christ alone. Yes, Paul got that right. But here when he comes to family relationships, uh, then uh, the, the, he begins to show uh, through his colors as something of a Jewish rabbi chauvinist. And so we can put that aside and say, well, now we live in the 21st century and we know better. Rubbish. The apostle Peter said of the writings of Paul, there were some things in them that were difficult, that were twisted by some, as they do the rest of the scriptures. Scriptures. These words are penned by the apostle Paul, yes, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And so that when we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and in Colossians chapter 3, wives, be subject to your own husbands. This is not Paul the chauvinist. This is Paul the apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit giving us direction from God himself to families. Marriage was made by God back in Genesis chapter 3. This is not something that man made himself. It was God who gave Eve to Adam. It was God who said, as we read here in uh, Ephesians 5.31, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It was God who gave the woman to the man as that helper suitable for him. And so God has the right to say how marriage ought to be conducted, God has the right and authority to delegate authority to the husband, to the father, and in a sense to the master or the boss over employees. There is authority in society. And though we live in a day when people rebel against authority, we need to begin here and recognize God has given authority in society and we take that as from him, the author. So that was the first thing by way of introduction. We need to have that understood from the outset. It is God's word that we are handling. Secondly, the context of this passage Verse 21, we're looking in Ephesians chapter 5. The context is Ephesians 5.21. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. One of those general directions which applies to everybody. Be subject to one another. Now, does that mean, well, okay, we have mutual submission. So the husband submits to the wife. The wife submits to the husband. And so it's all the same. Egalitarian. Everybody's on the same level. Well, no, that's not, of course, that's not what it means. Because if that were the case, then you would say, parents, obey your children. Because it's all the same. No, 
This mutual submission spoken of in verse 21 applies in different ways given the different roles that each one fulfills. As Charles Hodge put it, when we look at this mutual submission, he says, the scriptural doctrine on this subject is that men are not isolated individuals, each one independent of all others. No man lives for himself and no man dies for himself. The essential equality of men and their mutual dependence lay the foundation for the obligation of mutual subjection. We depend on each other. We need one another. We don't live alone. Now, how will this submission work out in daily life That will differ according to the position, the role, the relationships in which we find ourselves, in which God places us. And so there are different roles and there are different directives based on those roles in the following verses. Wives are subject to their husbands by obeying them. Husbands are subject to their wives by not ruling over them tyrannically for their own desires. Husbands are subject to their wives because they love them and they lead them, therefore, for their good, for their best interest, not for the selfish desire of the husband, but for him considering in love, how can I best lead this woman for her good, for her safety, for her security, and for God's glory? How can I love her more? How can I reveal that love in my leadership of her? And so that's how the husband submits to his wife, by leading her for her good. How do the children submit? Well, they submit by obeying their parents in the Lord, for that's right. How do parents, in a sense, submit to their children? They submit to them by not disciplining them in anger and in rigid hardness, provoking them, crushing them. Parents submit to their children by sacrificing and disciplining and training them for their good in love. And so mutual submission works out differently in each case. But you see, it is self-sacrifice. It is self-denial required of each one as each one does his part, as we sang earlier, as unto the Lord. And so that shows again the folly of saying that verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, cancels out everything that follows. That's ridiculous. Verse 21 lays the foundation for what follows. In taking away from headship and leadership and authority the self-centeredness that so much marks what we see of authority in the world. And so the husband leads for her good. Now let's open up these verses as we come. That's by way of introduction, just to show the authorship and the context. Now let's open up these verses in Ephesians chapter 5 to give again this foundational background before we come to the duties of each of the parties that we'll go back to Colossians more for that. 
of course, uh, referring to Ephesians along the way. But here we come to see this structure of authority in the family. Now, I wanted to take a whole message to deal with this because, again, in our day, authority is despised. There is this sense, especially in the United States of America, of I'm going to do my thing and nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me to stay at home, even if it's for the good of my neighbor, even if it's love for my neighbor. There's this sense of rebellion. Well, what is the structure, the basis of the family structure of authority? It is this analogy of husband and wife to Christ and the church. As the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to write these words to the church in Colossae and in Ephesus, he's saying, husband, your relationship to your wife, wife, your relationship to your husband is a picture, should be a picture, in which the world can see reflected the relationship of Christ and his church. There is a definite analogy, a correspondence here. Christ leads the church. The husband leads the wife. The church submits to Christ. The wife submits to the husband. Now, of course, every analogy breaks down, and we must take care to notice that uh, there are differences here because a husband is not like Christ in that he's perfect and sinless. And he never makes a mistake, okay? The, that's not going to be a one-to-one correspondence. The Lord Jesus gave himself for the church. He died that he might sanctify her, that he might save her. Husbands are not going to save their wives by shedding their blood. There is a breakdown in the analogy. They, there's not a one-to-one correspondence all across the board. But where there is correspondence comes under two headings, and one is headship, and the other is love. Headship and love are the two points where the analogy touches, actually corresponds. And so let's just consider these. We'll just briefly mention love. We are going to come back, of course, to these topics when we come to those specific commands back in Colossians. Well, let's take up headship, first of all, here in the passage. Wives are told to be subject to their husbands, verse 22, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of of the church. So the husband's headship of the wife is paralleled to Christ's headship of the church. Now let's draw this aspect out, this side of the analogy, Christ's relationship to his church uh, for, uh, for a few minutes. Let's consider this for a little bit. Now, Christ alone This means Christ, as the head of the church, he alone gives orders in the church. 
He directs what the church does. He directs what the pastor preaches, not from week to week, but he gives us the content. He gives us this book as that which we are to preach. We preach the word, Paul said to Timothy, not our own ideas, not our own message, not what we cook up on our own. And so we here at Trinity Baptist Church, you'll notice, if you're tuning in on the internet and you uh, maybe just happened across this web broadcast, you say, well, what, what are they doing there? Well, we're following our orders. Because the Bible tells us, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, the inspired Apostle, preach the Word. And so we are not at liberty to preach our own message. We come to you expounding, explaining, applying the message of this book. Now, when I was in the Trinity Ministerial Academy, and this is going back quite a while, four decades, I remember we had a winter course, a January session, where Pastor Ashiel Blaze came and taught us on church planting. And I can still picture him in his inimical way, saying to us, you stand with one foot planted in the Old Testament, and another foot planted in the New Testament, and you say to the people, thus saith the Lord. That's what it is. Land our feet in the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. And then, when we speak, we have authority. Not our authority. Who am I? (laughs) Nobody. But when we speak from the Scriptures, that commands obedience. We have no authority, furthermore, to cook up our own worship. Now, it struck me as I was watching the webcast this morning, how simple, how straightforward, how clean, how God-honoring was the worship. Now, we wish, as you saw the, perhaps the postcard this morning, wishing you were here. You know, we would love to have this place filled. But again, it's the worship of the living God. We have real worship. As you sit there in your homes, you sing the hymns, you bow your head, you pray along with the one who's praying. We have real worship. How simple, how God-honoring. We have in the scriptures not a lot of detail, but a simple prescription. What do we have as the elements of New Testament worship? We have the singing. We have it here in this passage that we teach and we praise in the Word of Christ. We sing God's Word. We sing to one another. We teach one another. But we sing God's praise with melody in our hearts, with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. So our praise is... That's part of our worship. We have prayer. That's the incense, as it were, we read in the book of Revelation. It's the incense before God's throne. And we know that God has commanded us to pray, to offer up to Him prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. And so we do that as a church. What else do we have? Well, we have the offering. 
Uh, we are not able to pass the plate here and have that as a part of our worship. And, you know, there is that little button to click on the website to make your donation. And uh, some of you, I know, even make that as something you do during the worship service because this is part of our worship. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it then, uh, but we give to God. That's, again, a spiritual sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. We have the prayers, we have the singing, we have the offering, we have the preaching of God's Word, the preaching and the reading of Scripture. Until I come, give attention to the reading, the public reading of Scripture. And so... These elements, nothing fancy, not entertainment. I just read an article this afternoon that spoke of churches that have all sorts of new things that they bring in. Chainsaws, smoke generators. I can't imagine. What do you do with a chainsaw in worship? I don't know, but that's what the article said. You tell me. But we don't do that. Why? Because this is not entertainment. This is not to tickle your ears and tickle your fancy. It's plain and simple. We're following what the scriptures say. Now, he doesn't say you have to sing three hymns and four hymns and one during the offering. Those details are left to us. But singing, praying, preaching, offering... These are basic elements. And the, the uh, ordinances of the Lord's Supper and baptism, uh, as often as you eat, and <laughs> with it were more often that we were using the baptistry, which is behind me here. We don't cook up our own worship. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that God did not send me to baptize, but to what? To entertain? No. God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. We follow the orders of our Savior. Christ is the head of the church. We're also not at liberty to cook up our own church government. Well, you know, this is an argument some have used. I've read this in books. Well, you know, there's not much in the New Testament. So basically, you can run the church any way you please. No, we read in the scriptures that there were in the churches elders. They're called different things. They're called bishops or uh, overseers, probably a better, definitely a better translation. They're also called pastors. Elders, pastors, overseers, and deacons. We see two boards in the church, and it is the elders who are ruling. The deacons are serving in practical ways. Very simple. And it works. You see, you need, you need more. You need, it works. And I say that from experience both in my time in the Philippines with an eldership of this white guy and a Filipino, and then another Filipino joined us. And now there are four Filipinos there. And it worked. And five deacons. And it worked. And here, five elders. I don't know, a dozen deacons. I can't even count them. You tell me. A dozen. I got it right. It works. Because that's 
God's way. And we don't take any credit then to ourselves. When we see a church that's functioning, that's glorifying God, we say, all glory to him. Because as Pastor Martin used to say to us in the academy more than once, God's work done God's way will not lack God's blessing. And so who gets the glory? (laughs) All glory goes to God. He is the head of Trinity Baptist Church. And we would not have it any other way. And so what we do, you ask us, and, and by the way, we're open to inquiry. Why do you do what you do? Show me that in the book, Pastor Blaze would say. Well, we can show you. Scriptural warrant for what we do. Christ is the head of the church. And I trust that nobody would debate that in theory, however much their practice may diverge from that principle. But now we come to the family. Notice the parallel, going back to Ephesians chapter 5, wives be subject to your own husbands, As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. No debate. Christ leads the church. Christ directs the church. Christ commands the church. Christ gives orders to the church. He purchased the church, as the passage tells us, with his own blood. He has the right to give orders in the church. Well, so also, so also, in the same way as, then the husband is the head of the wife. Fathers are heads of their children. You cannot reverse the order here. You cannot go back then to verse 21 and say, well, it just says, be subject to one another. So uh, that means that the wife is the head of the husband. It doesn't say that. Now, it's interesting. I heard this story some years ago, many years ago, and it has stuck with me. I can't point you to a, a source, but I've heard the story, and it rings true, that there was a time when this dear Christian woman, Elizabeth Elliot, who is well-known, attended a so-called Christian feminist gathering, a seminar of some sort. And the teacher, the speaker at this seminar, was saying, well, you're to be subject to one another, and that means that these nouns and pronouns are interchangeable in the following context. When it says, wives be subject to your own husbands, we could just as well say, husbands be subject to your wives. We could just as well say, the wife is the husband of the church. And so uh, the story goes that Elizabeth Elliot raised her hand and said, excuse me, uh, do you mean to say that we, we exchange these things just just in any way? And the speaker said, perhaps with some, uh, uh, a little trepidation, what, where is this going? I said, well, yes, that's, that's what I mean. And so the dear lady, Mrs. Elliott, uh, read the, she said, well, look, permit me to read then, in your way. Wives, husbands, be subject to your own wives as to the Lord, for the wife is the head of the husband, as the church is also the head of Christ. And the speaker said, no, 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 no. 
Well, she said, but you, you indicated we could just reverse the things. You see, it stands it on its head. It cannot be. When Paul says, when the Holy Spirit says that the husband is the head of the wife, even as, as Christ also is the head of the church, it means what it says. And so in the family, the man wears the pants. The man is the head. The man has authority. It's not a democracy. Now, of course, when we come to applying this, the husband is wise, who solicits information, who seeks perhaps to hear the uh, viewpoints of others in the family, but the buck stops with him. Now, of course, the analogy always breaks down, as I said earlier. Christ in his headship is all wise. He is perfectly loving. He is never going to make a mistake in his direction. He is holy, harmless, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Husbands are not. Husbands make mistakes. Fathers make mistakes. But still, but still, the principle of authority is there. And so the first thing that this passage tells us is the principle of headship. The husband is the head. There is authority structure in the home, and the parallel is with Christ and the church. Now, of course, the second thing in the passage is, the second point of contact is love. Husbands, love your wives, verse 25 of Ephesians 5, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, we'll come back to that when we come to the specific direction to the wives, or to, excuse me, to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And so the husband says, but, 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 but you don't know my wife. Well, what does it say? Love her. But, 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 love her. Well, okay, we're going to get there. But I just mentioned that here because my point this evening is the authority structure in the home. But I do want to say, now, this, as, uh, before we come to application, that these two things go together. Authority, headship, and love. You see, to submit to a tyrant is necessary but difficult. To submit to someone who loves you and cares for you and would even sacrifice himself for you. That's not nearly so difficult. In fact, it's delightful. And so that's the gospel. We come and we bow the knee to Christ. We come and submit ourselves to him gladly with praise. Why? Because he loved us and gave himself up for us. Greater love has no man than this. They lay down his life. For his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said. If you do what I command, you submit. <laughs> but you submit to one who lovingly gives himself. And so the challenge for husbands is to so love your wives that it is a delight for her to submit to your authority. Now, as we come to application, 
I have several words here, and I'm going to break it down to various categories again. But first of all, we'll start with the church. May Christ ever be the head of this church. And as elders, it is our determination to let no one steal the crown rights of King Jesus in his church. And even the fact that we are not meeting together is not because we've surrendered the crown rights of King Jesus in his church to the government. It's because we believe that the government is wise in its determination that we not meet together to stop spreading this virus and to exercise love for one another, to love our neighbor in obedience to Christ, the head of the church. That's why we are meeting in this way online. It's his church. May he ever be the head of the church. We never surrender the crown rights of King Jesus. So we obey his word, we preach his word, we worship according to his word, we structure the church according to his word to the best of our understanding. May it ever be so. Now here in, the, in God's providence, we've been reading through the book of Exodus. And as I sat there earlier when this passage was being read in Exodus of the building of the lampstand and the uh, formulation of the incense, I, I checked. It did not say in this chapter, but just two chapters later, when all of this work is done, the statement is very telling. Let me just read this in the book of Exodus. After they make all of these things, we read in Exodus 39 and verse 43, And Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. This they had done. So Moses blessed them. Just as the Lord had commanded, this they had done. May that be the commendation we receive from our master, the head of the church, that as he has commanded, so we have done. That if he were to say to us in the last day, who has required this of your hand? We could say, you did, Lord, here in the scriptures. And he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. May Christ ever be the head of this church. Avoid this clamor for innovation, man-pleasing novelties. We stick to the old path. Some may say, this Trinity Baptist Church, they're stuck in the pre-last century. We're stuck in the scriptures. May it ever be so. Now let me speak to the family. Husbands. Remember, and this is the point of the message. Get this, pack it up, take it home. You have authority in the family. Not the authority of a tyrant to bark out orders. Bring me my slippers. Bring me the paper. Oh, there's no such thing hardly anymore. Not authority to be served like King Tut. But authority and responsibility to lead your family in the right way. Do not abdicate. Do not give up this authority. Do not excuse yourself out of it. Take your authority and use it according to the word of God, 
Lead your family for their good. Lead them by having your family devotions. Lead them by instructing your children. Lead them by giving direction, loving direction to your wife. In this time of crisis. Don't give up your position. You're the captain of the ship. Lead it, guide it, direct it, command it in the right way. When it comes to your children, you have authority. Don't abdicate. You're the head of the home. We'll come to that in the uh, end of the chapter when he says the, the couple of verses after what he speaks of to husbands and wives, he speaks to children and parents. Fathers, you have authority. Don't give it up. Don't say, well, you know, I work all day and I, I, I just don't, have, I don't want to mess with that. Honey, you take care. That's abdicating your responsibility. Fathers, lead them, love them. Care for them and will come to that how you do it. But don't abdicate your authority. When I've taught on family issues in the past in the Philippines, one thing I always emphasize at the outset is that there is authority in the family. So many fathers. And in fact, in this day when kids are allowed to go their own way, And it's what you want to wear. It's what you want to do. It's what you want to eat. And, you know, do you take a poll? Or what are we going to have for dinner? Ice cream. (laughs) You don't do that. Fathers, do not give up your authority. Remember that. Husbands are the head of the wife. Husband, wife. Wives. Remember, I speak to you. Your ways are not God's ways. God's ways are not our ways. God knows what's best for you. And again, in this day and age of uh, feminism, of uh, entitlements, to submit to a man is, and I'm sure there's some perhaps tuned into this web broadcast, you're saying, that's ridiculous. You don't know my husband. Maybe not. There's the command of God. Wives, be subject to your husbands. We're going to consider that, Lord willing, next week from Colossians. But it's a command. God knows your husband. He knows who he is. He knows his character. He knows his heart. And still God's word says, Wives, be subject to your husbands. You will find your fulfillment in submitting to the God-given head of the family you trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You'll find joy in doing God's will. It may not be easy. You don't have a perfect husband. I know that for a fact. I'm not a perfect husband. Even if he's a Christian, he's not a perfect husband. Maybe he's not a Christian. But as Peter says, if you live before him in such a way, may it be that he is won without a word by the behavior, the chaste, respectful behavior of his wife. That's God's way. 
not fighting against him. The chaste, respectful behavior that he may be one. It's God's way. Children, let me address you. We're just considering authority. You are not the boss. You're not General Junior, and your parents are not going to jump when you say jump. Give me my milk. They're not to jump. You're not the boss. Now, your parents are not perfect. I know that for a fact. Because I'm not a perfect parent myself. I was never a perfect parent. But your parents do have authority. And the command is, be subject, be submissive, obey. That's God's way. And it is best for you. It is right. Parents, don't give up your authority over your children. Let me speak to the singles. Now, you say, well, I'm not a husband. I'm not a wife. Yes, I'm a son or daughter, but I'm an adult. And so I'm not subject to my parents as I was when I was a child. Uh, I'm not yet a parent. So where, where do I fit in this picture? Well, here you are, single. Uh, maybe God has granted you this gift. And that means as long as you're single, you have the gift, like it or not. You are single. And so you're to use that singleness for God's glory. Use your time for his praise. But I would say this, prepare yourself for these roles. Young women, beware of developing this feminist idea that I'm going to be the one who's wearing the pants. I'm going to give the orders, and I'm going to find a man who's going to bow to me. You don't want such a man. You won't be happy with such a man. Beware of cultivating and developing any such idea. Beware of being drawn to a wicked man. Because I'll tell you, and I can say this based on the testimony of those in our church in the Philippines who were married to unbelievers. It is a difficult, difficult life. They were married and then they were converted and their husbands were not saved. It is a difficult, painful life. Don't put yourself there. Beware this chauvinistic, macho selfishness of the world. Beware, on the other hand, a man who's the foppish effeminate, who won't do anything but what you say. Beware a man that you can manipulate so easily with a little wine. Be a godly woman. And men, learn to be leaders. Learn to be decisive. Learn to be manly in a God-honoring way. To be prepared for godly marriage. Be careful whom you marry. As I heard years ago, marry in haste, repent at your leisure. You have the rest of your life to be sorry for it. Don't be in a hurry to get married. Get to know the person and be careful. But now as we close this evening, I want to say a word to our friends. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, this guy's a dinosaur. 
This guy's something out of the dark ages. He's talking about submission. This is the 21st century man. Get with it. You got a gray beard. You're, you're probably as old as Methuselah. I assure you, I know what I'm talking about in personal experience of my own family. And I know what I'm talking about based on the scriptures. This is what's best. Because again, the world says, submit to anybody. No. Okay, we're going to have a team. When I get married, it's going to be a team. We'll discuss everything. It's going to be democracy. And I've got the veto. It's not God's way. Here's God's way. Let me again go back to the scriptures. We're Christians. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means that we have come to see the Lord Jesus as a good and kind master. And that he in his love for me, yes for me, gave himself, laid down his life on the cross of Calvary that I might be saved. He loved me to the uttermost. He loved me to the death. He so loved that he gave himself the Father so loved that he gave his Son. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my soul, my all. So for me to submit to such a master is a delight. Christians are not miserable. You think, oh, you know, you, you submit yourself to, to Christ, you follow his word, or you've got all these rules, and oh, what a miserable, it's not miserable. Christians are of all men most blessed. Happy those who have God for their God. Truly blessed the nation whose God is the Lord. Truly blessed the people, the individual, you, if Christ is your Savior, to submit to Him is delight. Why? Because He loves me. And I know that He will not in His sovereign providence cause anything to cross my path, to happen in my life, but what is good for me and for His glory. And ultimately, I'll sing His praise forever. As Rutherford's song, written by Ann Cousins, puts it, Hey, the dews of sorrow are lustered by his love. We'll bless the hand that guided. We'll bless the heart that planned. When throned where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. And so when we then apply that analogy to the family, to have a loving husband and father, who sacrifices, who's willing to not seek his own thing, not selfishly rule for his own way, for his own pleasure, but to give himself to his family, then for the wife to submit to such a one, that's a home that gives God glory. Happy the home when God is there, when love fills every breast, when one their wish and one their prayer, and one, ultimately, their heavenly rest. And so there you are in your rebellion saying, I will not have this man dwell to rule over me. 
It's not for your good. You're miserable. You carry on in your rebellion. Where does it get you? Despair? Ultimately, you die alone. And then what? Judgment. Judgment! But if Christ is your Savior, you pass through the waters of death, and the Savior meets you the other side, and you face judgment with an advocate who takes up your cause, and the Father says, He's accepted in the Beloved. So lay down the arms of your rebellion. Come to this loving Savior. Bow in repentance. Come to Him in faith. Embrace Him in faith. And He'll embrace you. He said, all who come to me, I will never, ever, ever cast them out. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, as we bow this evening, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures inspired by the Spirit. Yes, written by the pen of men, but according to your direction for your glory, for our good. And so, Father, we come to this passage, husbands, wives, children, fathers, We ask for grace that we would obey your word. In this time of lockdown, in this time of forced isolation, we ask that you would help us so to live in our families, that we would draw closer to one another, that you would be glorified by our interaction, that all the more we would learn wives to submit, husbands to love, children to obey, fathers to train and to lead. May you be glorified in our homes that we come through this crisis, COVID-19, stronger, more determined, more ready to serve you, more counting the cost, more heavenly in our priorities, less attracted to the world. Oh, Lord, use these things for the good of families in this church. And use it for the salvation of those who are still in darkness, in rebellion. O Lord, work in their hearts that they surrender, lay down their arms of rebellion, and come to the Savior. In whose name we pray. Amen.